We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. What up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Corner Podcast. This week's episode of The Corner is brought to you by Casper Mattresses. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the cost. You know me and Andreas are always covering events. We're always writing articles. But when we do have time to sleep, we lay our head down on a nice, pillowy, soft premium mattress from Casper Mattresses. Casper is revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and going straight to you. No showrooms, no middleman. Everyone's seen those creepy guys trying to follow you around the department store. None of that anymore. You get your hands on a nice premium mattress by going straight to Casper Mattresses. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I got to get my rest. So Casper Mattresses is the, is the goods. I'm telling you right now. So listen, you can get $50 off of any mattress purchased by visiting casper.com backslash the corner and entering the promo code the corner. That's one word, the corner. That's casper.com backslash the corner, promo code T H E C O R N E R. Terms and conditions apply. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Corner Podcast. We are back again. Kel Dansby, Andreas Hale in the building. And letting you guys know we're excited. You guys heard the challenge we issued last week. It's been accepted. We're getting Kaz and Emilio Sparks here on the show. We're going to go head-to-head, two wrestling podcasts wrapped up into one. It's going to be crazy. We're going to record that later on this week. So next week, you guys should have that fresh off the presses. I promise you it'll be more exciting than both Raw and SmackDown next week. 
we're covering everything in pro wrestling. So for all our pro wrestling fans, maybe, you know, a little hip-hop discussion in there because might as well, having those two on the show, um, bringing their, their varying knowledge to the show. I guess I'm going to be the, the odd man out there, right? All of y'all are knee-deep in the hip-hop world. So it's going to be interesting to see all the different opinions during that show. But Dre, right now, it's this week. Are you excited for our show this week? How was your weekend? Um, what was this weekend? Oh, there was a UFC card this weekend. What would we do? The Ultimate Fighter finale? You are so <laughs> old. You're, you're such an old man. You're like, um, you don't even know what you did yesterday. No, I really don't. I put up a Christmas tree. We put up the family Christmas tree, and uh, our downstairs area is a disaster right now. Yo, do, you got... put, do you put gifts out already, or do you have to hide them? Um, no, we put them out. Like we, I did a lot of Christmas shopping from Black Friday in the past week, so we got a a ton of presents under the tree. The only problem is, is my daughter thinks that all that shit is hers, so she's trying to tear everything apart. <laughs> so, but yeah, we put up the tree. That's like that's it. I didn't do nothing else. That's that's it. So you don't do the whole Santa Claus brings it the night before. You got to nah. hide the Christmas gifts for a month, Jazz. No, I'll do that when Kennedy gets older. I'll do that. But for my niece and nephew, my nephew, he figured out the whole Santa Claus shit like four years ago. My niece, she'll do that at her mother's house. And then, but she knows when these gifts come, they're from uh, TT and Uncle Dre. So there is no, these dope ass gifts came from Santa. No confusion there. <laughs> yeah, my oldest daughter now is just the biggest Grinch. And I'll be like, yo, so what do you want from Santa? She's like, dad, I know Santa's not, like, yo. Don't be blowing this for everybody else. I'm not sure. I think my son doesn't believe in Santa. I think they're now all old enough to be out of it. But at least the youngest two fake the funk. Then I can write Santa on the gifts. My oldest daughter is the worst. I was like, yo, you're getting coal in your stocking. I'm going to keep this Xbox I bought you. <laughs> yeah, so I had to have that combo with her the other day. Christmas time's coming up, though. You know, we're always excited. Um, like I said, to open up the show, we're going to have that joint podcast, something new this year. Also, the week after that, usually we take a week off. We'll do the same. Again, this time, uh, the UFC card will have to wait. And we're going to do our usual Corner Podcast Awards. So, end of the year awards. Best of everything for the end of the year. Um, that should be dope. And yeah, yeah. We Always differing opinions. We always have a different favorite match, different song, different album. But we'll give our favorites for the year. So that'll be fun. That'll be coming up in the coming weeks. So this might be our last normal show of 2017. Really? Yeah. Wow. That's two weeks right there. We're already halfway done with the month. Almost. Uh, Damn, this shows, year went by quick. Yeah, yo, we blinked and it was over. It's Wrestle Kingdom time again by the time we come back with a new show. Yeah. That's, oh, love yes. it. We'll have to talk about that in our wrestling segment. This whole Roman Reigns is the greatest performer thing. I almost forgot about that. Oh, yeah, me too. Yeah, now we can't let that slide. Um, it looks like we're going to be talking about that on two shows because Kaz was mouthing off about that too. So we got to bring that up next week as well. Let's start off, though, in hip hop because last week we had a lot of stuff going on. Um, we had to re recap Thanksgiving, all this stuff. And we completely forgot. About Mace versus Cam. Everyone was hitting me up on Twitter like, how'd you guys forget? Mace, shots fired at Cameron. I swear it's like 20 years too late. But that's my opinion. What do you think of the diss track? And is it even worth mentioning? 
I mean, it's worth mentioning if you're a hip hop head, the fact that Mace, like these two guys who were former Children of the Corn members and, you know, had wildly different careers, but they were so tightly knit. It's it's always, a, it's a strange story. Like, their relationship has always been strange. Mace to, uh, like, fun fact, like, Mace went, when I went to Morehouse, Mace went to Clark. And he was on campus as, like, this fake pastor. I'm not even going to call him fake. He was a real pastor, I guess. But, you Wait, know. he was a pastor back then? He was looking into God. Like, that was his <laughs> his journey. But he used to have, like, mad chicks around him. But anyway, like, I used to see Mace every day. Like, Mace would be walking around Clark, Atlanta. And I used to be over there because my boys went to Clark. So I'd see Mace. Um, but it's crazy just to think about it that it's 2017 and Mace was like, yo, I feel like I need to just kill a cam and just kind of let him have it on the Oracle. And I'm not sure, you know, how much is true. Obviously, you know, cam had his rebuttal recorded through like a phone. I don't know what the hell that was, but <laughs> that's the original grimy New York quality. But overall, it's, it's a beef that, you know, people like myself care about, but even I don't care about it that much. Cause we didn't even talk about it last week. Cause I didn't really think about it. Um, I, I don't really care that much, you know, whatever issues that they have fine, you know, um, I hope you guys figure them out. I mean, think about like, this was like Harlem world. This is so many years ago, um, for this to resurface on wax where both, you know, and and obviously cam is more relevant than Mace these days, but I, Mace came out with some fire you know, he took some shots in, uh. I guess we'll have to see how it plays out. I'll be interested and see what happens next, but I, I just can't see this as a beef. It's like it's like Lil' Kim and Foxy Brown coming back and beefing today. <laughs> like, I don't really care that much. Like, it's never too late. Um, yeah, that's the thing. I just don't know how much is facts on the on the Mace disc, nor do I necessarily care. Like, if you wanted to come at Cam, it would have been great when Cam was on the top of the game. That's when this right. disc should have came out, because there ain't no new information on this. It's all old stuff, and it's just like, yo, you you waited too long, and it really doesn't matter anymore. Right. But people were hyped, um, at least from what I saw on Twitter, which still has a, a huge New York fan base, I, I guess, basis on Twitter. Outside of that, I don't think anyone anywhere else cared, because it was like, all right, like, sure. Yeah. Well, here's a fun fact, and this is another fun fact. When you live in New York, as you have before, but when I was living in New York, the New York bubble of music still dominates social media. And it's like the same people, like Ebro, Cash, my boy Lowe, like a lot of people that I roll with dominate the conversation of music on social media. That's why there's such a heavy New York presence. But in reality, like when we used to go out, it'd be, this, it'd be all of us together. Like, we'd be tweeting, but we'd be next to each other. And it'd just be the same. <laughs> but we all be in the same spot. Elliot Wilson, Jason Rodriguez. I mean, you name them, Kaz, of course. Um, you know, Dejuan Thomas. Like, we all rolled in the same circle. Kim Osario, we'd be at the same events, doing the same things, having the same conversations, and just tweeting about the shit. And the music industry is really that small in New York. But So when this came out, you know, this conversation was big for New York. Because it's Harlem. And a lot of people grew up, Bad Boy fans, or Loving Mace, and Loving Cam, like picking sides, or being a Dipset fan. Nobody was a Harlem World fan. But <laughs> You weren't a fan of Blinky Blink? 
Hell no, nah, man. His name was Blinky Blink, son. Like, <laughs> I just in, in the that single, that Nickelodeon single was trash. What was it? The one with Maya? Oh, it was yeah. so terrible. They, he was riding on a reptile. Yeah, it was so terrible. But oh, that that's why this dominated like New York conversation. So when people see him, be like, "Yo, it's like so much New York stuff on Twitter." Like the music industry is really New York, Hollywood. Most of those people are in L.A. Every, there's of course there's other artists, but that's like. The center point of everything is New York. So this coming up is a big deal to them. But I'm in Vegas now. I don't care. Yeah, <laughs> like, I really don't care. It's so long ago. People be like, Cam's response isn't good. Or Mace got round one. Yo, this is like round 16. Cam's been flaming him for years. I was listening to Welcome New York City like two weeks ago. Played it in a bar on the jukebox. Was, uh, you know, vibing to that. And Mace in there, he's like, ask Cam. Or Cam in there was like, yo, ask Mace, he ran to Atlanta. Like, on a major song in 2003. Like, it's, <laughs> right. it's, not even, it's not even fair. It's not comparable. Mace then got bodied like three times. He's been enganued by Cam at least four times by now. And now he's trying to come back. Like, nah, like, I'm, I'm over it. Um, one thing that it did lead to, which is something I saw on Twitter yesterday, several people, uh, D-Dot... Charlemagne having this conversation. Where does Mace rank among the rappers in the bad boy lineage? In the bad Ooh. boy tree? Biggie this Biggie excluded, unfair. right? Because Biggie's number one. Yeah, Biggie, of course, is number one. But this this is such a crazy conversation. Because I saw it started with Charlemagne and B Dot, and I was gonna jump in, but I was like, nah. Because it's similar to like a wrestling conversation. Like while they were having that conversation, I was about arguing about AJ Styles and Roman Reigns. Like, bad boy Mace is not fair because that isn't really the quality that Mace had on, on a, like, he, he was actually a dope rapper, but under the bad boy umbrella, uh, it, it's really hard because it's like, yo, because the same goes for the locks. Because if you argue Mace, you got to also have this conversation about the locks with their first album. With, you know, Jiggy, like, all the Jiggy shit, like, they would, like, Kiss and Styles and uh, Sheik were dope, but they didn't really hit their peak until they were on Rough Riders. But even, like, they at least had the joint with Big, um, they had features, like, damn, like, they they had some dope stuff. It's it's just really hard, because they had, you know, they, they were, the locks were on Bad Boy for, was it one album? It was one album, right? Just one album. Went to Rough yeah. Then they went to Rough Riders. And the Bad and then, Boy, like, or in the Puff Daddy Presents that doesn't family shit. Yeah, so one yeah. album, one compilation. So in the grand scheme, on, on Bad Boy Records, because Mace's Double Up was absolutely trash. Black Rob, was, was Life Story album, was probably the one of the, the top three Bad Boy releases of all time. Uh, it was, yeah. I mean, because no, it, it's Life... True. Yeah, ready to die, life after death. I mean, you can argue no way out. And they separated the people from the locks, too, by the way, when they did their rankings. So they did a top five bad boy rappers. Mm. Biggest yeah, it's, food it's, it's, it's really like Jada Kiss is always going to be better than Mace to me I, I, in oh, yeah. any universe. Um, but I'll go Styles, then Jada, then and just bad boy era. Styles, then Jada, then G Depp. Then Mace, then Sheik. G-Dev's um, album was fire. 
Yeah, it was. I just wasn't a huge fan of him. Like his album was dope, but I don't think he was that dope of a rapper. And for the record, for me, when it comes on the 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 Bad Boy locks, like to me, Styles didn't really come into his own until after the Bad Boy era. Ooh, Styles killed it on Twenty Four Hours to Live. I think he has the best verse on Twenty Four Hours to Live. Um, mm, I don't know. I'm very partial to Kiss, and I actually <laughs> thought I, Cheek was a lot better before. He kind of he kind of tapered off. Oh, I like uh, Chic. I like uh, D Block Chic. If I had to pick a Chic, in a weird yeah, early D Block Chic uh, is my favorite. So is is Mace a top five in Bad Boy? Because he's top five. We're gonna put up. I mean, that I'll give him. But they were putting him at one, two. Like B Dot, I think put him ahead of Jada. Not better than Jada. Um, and I mean to be honest, to keep it completely funky, he wasn't better than Craig Mack. Craig Mack is the sleeper. So I took G Depp over Craig Mack. Um, so Jada Kiss, like Big Kiss, um, oh, Big Black Rob. Well, Jada, Big Jada Black Rob. Yo, Mace might be outside of my top five. When I really think about it, when I think about Bad Boy era Mace, because you got you can't take the Harlem World album without taking Double Up, and Double Up was fucking terrible. It like bad. double, no like one double listens to really double bad, but it exists and it, it exists <laughs> in this catalog and it's a bad boy album and it's a mace project. So it, it kind of, it, it hurts because it's like when you have one album too many, like we'll talk about Lupe Fiasco probably later on, uh, him retiring, whatever the hell he's doing or setting himself up for the future. But th- that part of mace hurts him. And I think it, it almost puts him outside of the top five. Wow. I, I mean, yeah, but I, uh, that's so hard because the first album was so good. It was good, but was he like, I mean, okay. Front to back, was, that album was legit. Was he really, like, was he really spitting though? Like, come on. Like, there was a lot. He was a beneficiary of having, like, a lot of overproduced tracks with the Trackmasters. I mean, it, don't. I'm not going to front. Everybody bumped the Harlem World album. Nobody's going to say they didn't. To this but, day, I bumped the Harlem World album. That's one of my favorite Jay-Z verses is on mm, that album. Yeah, overall, but overall, like as a rapper, I don't know if he's top five. I think Black Rob was a better rapper than Mace. Damn. I think Jay-Z is I, a better rapper than Mace. Oh, I think so, too. I don't know if they're counting impact. Mace is four for me. See, and I'm being generous because that album is dope. And plus, that, you got to count the other shit, like in the compilation stuff. He he had hits, been around no, the world. I agree. Like th- therein lies the issue is, and this is what I was talking about with this whole AJ Styles Roman Reigns thing. Is are you taking Mace's body of work because he was a top guy? Because like Mace was a top guy in the bad boy era. The locks were not top guys. Like Mace was put in the position to succeed, and he did. He had hits, but he was supposed to have hits. He was he was Diddy's prodigy he was the replacement for big he was the the pretty boy he was he had all that going for him but when it came down to his performance and his his ability i don't like was he really that dope i i don't think he was really that dope no he wasn't as good as the people around him and we're judging by 90s quality yeah we're judging by 90s quality we're judging by which is murder tough. mace which we're, we're judging mason betha and to be murder fair mace. murder mace was third best in that group of course I mean, cause by, yeah, by a long shot. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So, yeah, even then, Mace was okay, but 
I don't I don't know that his hits have to count for something. And I think that's where B dot's going. Yeah, no, his, 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 his hits counts, but it's just like if you're talking about MCs, that conversation changes. Because Black Rob, I keep talking about Black Rob because Woe was fucking huge. Oh, Woe was and, fire. <laughs> like it was huge, and then the album turned out to be really good, like really, really good. Better than anybody anticipated it to be. As a bad boy. Like, it had the bad boy sprinkles on it. You know, the glittery shit. But it was still a relatively grimy album. And just, whoa, was a filthy song. I think Buck Wild produced that shit. Yeah. Oh, that was a fucking That was the same song. shit for the G-Dep album. Everyone was like, oh, you know, you shake, Harlem shaking and all that. To the single. But G-Dep's album had cuts. It was like deep. It was a street album. I remember that. I was like, ooh, G-Dep had fire. And then that was the end of that. <laughs> Good Who night. killed somebody and turned himself in? Was that G Dep? Oh wait, Shine was on Bad Boy, wasn't he? Shine was on Bad Boy. Are you putting Shine wow. above Mace? Mm, I was never big on Shine, man. I wasn't it was, huge on Shine either. I couldn't like he was. He, he wasn't bad. It was just the Biggie comparisons really hurt him. Because um, I really thought he could stand in his own two as a rapper. Damn, I almost forgot about Shine. Wow, I completely Shine. forgot about Shine. Shine has some bangers though. Can't front. That first album, yes, shit. And, and, and it mm. depends, like, how deep do we go into the bad boy route? Like, do we count 2,000 roster bad boy? Not that I'm putting the band in that shit, but, like, you know, <laughs> like, they, I mean, does French count? Exactly. Because French it, is better than Mace. It, it becomes a very interesting conversation. Well, yeah. French is not better than Mace. No, Fe- it's not. French is better than Mace. And, uh, no, uh, no, French Montana is terrible. French Montana is not terrible. His album was fire. And I didn't ask you about his album as a rapper. He and the Mac terrible. and Cheese joints. Um, as, a, as a rapper, he's garbage. Hop on the wave, Drake. Hop on the wave. Why you hate? Shout yeah. out to the BX. It's not my Bronx, you know, home bias coming out in me. French, French got joints, especially Ugh. for counting hits. French got joints. Like uh, okay, Young Jack was on Bad Boy. That doesn't count because he was part of a crew. I, I, boys I in the, the boys in the hood were on bad boy cheesy yeah. this there's a lot doesn't count gorilla zoe no no one's put gorilla zoe can't have a spot on anyone's list uh he's not making a top 15 i'm putting babs buddy on there before gorilla zoe yeah i'll put ness on there too yeah. for him dylon 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 I mean, there was Loon who was like Diet Mace. Um, <laughs> when Mace left, Loon kind of took his place for a heartbeat. Yeah, he was on the I Need a Girl joint. Yeah. Um, yeah, nah, he's not getting on the list either. Puff, does Puff? Puff gets ignored, but Puff's the rapper. Yeah, he just doesn't write his own shit, and he doesn't care. Um, 8-Ball and MJG had his album on Bad Boys too. Oh, that's, that's unfair, it. though, because they're up there. That's, nah, that's like... They had a couple it. albums on Bad Boy. So, really? Yeah. Uh-huh. That, so, bottom line is, Mace it's not that, yeah. Yeah, it's not to put him. Mace. Yeah, Mace, Mace is it's very hard for him to be top five, in my opinion. Everybody else, I'm curious to see what you think, um, especially, is, uh, we have a wide range in age for our listeners, so I'll be interested in like what the early 20 kids have to say about Mace, and then the, like, the 30-somethings. Cause I'm not even you, sure if they know Mace. That's what I'm saying, you've experienced Mace in different ways periods of your life and depending on when you listen to certain artists music is how you revere them in your life um so when you're younger mace could have a different impact and then you get older and you listen to it what the fuck is this so <laughs> curious what y'all think yeah can't wait to hear about that um i was gonna ask you about the young whippersnappers in the game but i kind of want to save that for Kaz too 
because he was just discussing that on Twitter. Oh, Lord. so him and Emilio, we got to get that. You know, the the colorful dreads, face tattoo kids, they're they're out there. Um, spurred on uh, talking about generations and how you grow up and who you listen to and who's dope when you're young and how that frames you. Lil Wayne's coming out to Dedication Six, and I feel like he birthed all these kids, but they forgot to take the lyricism with it. All they did was get the drugs, the lean, and the hairdo. Yeah, yeah. Lil Wayne spawned a generation of rappers, and I, I'll be—I mean, full disclosure—I am not the biggest Lil Wayne fan. Never have been. Um, I think he was dope. I think he was just incredibly overrated. Um, but he had a he had a significant impact on the game. I'm not never taking that that away, but like the greatest rapper alive, talk I I think was just it was a, it was a lot on Lil Wayne. That being said, he spawned a generation of rappers who took the wrong elements of him, and that's what most rappers do. Um, like the, when you spawn a generation of rappers, like everybody when Big was rhyming, everybody tried to be like Big, but nobody could rap. Like New York. If anybody remembers is listening, in like 95, 96, around the time Big's Ready to Die and Life After Death was being prepared, hip-hop, like the underground cast, like Royal Flush, Mike Geronimo, they all went the Jiggy route. Mike Geronimo's Vendetta album, uh, Royal Flush, like they all started rapping about like money, and it was fucking weird. <laughs> and, and what happened was nobody was actually good at it. So it turned out to, to be the death knell for a lot of these rappers. That being said, Lil Wayne did the same thing. He the way he rhymed, the way like can't front. His style was always dope. Um, and when I say overrated, I just think there was always a lot put on with Lil Wayne. But that being said, he opened the door for a lot of these kids to rap, and they took all these elements and just forgot how to fucking rap. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's at the end of the day, he always knew how to rap. Like that when when it was time to get busy, he could get busy. But they but once again, what Lil Wayne did they see? Did they see Carter 4 and on Lil Wayne? Yeah. Like, these kids are 18, 19. So they were getting onto hip-hop at maybe 10, 11. That's seven years ago, eight years ago for them. That that wasn't prime Lil Wayne. Nah. They, they missed Lil a Wayne. lot of good shit. They missed yes. 2003, probably 2004 through 2008 Lil Wayne is prime Lil Wayne. Yeah, like Lil Wayne, dedication mixtapes, the Carter Two, the Carter no ceilings, just yeah, bananas. no ceilings. Um, you know, and then it was like the Carter Three was like, eh, I like the Carter it, Three. It was just supposed to be better than what it was because it got you know it leaked and bootlegging. It was a lot of shit ruined the Carter Three. But yeah, he had a great run. He was rapping and he was everywhere. Oh yeah, these kids, these kids, they're everywhere, but they're just not really rapping anymore. And I'm just, and I say that. To say this is like rap has always been like this. It's just there's there's more now because of the internet. There's no filter. All of these rappers can just get out there by putting a song on YouTube. Yeah, they used to at least have to go through some type of radio process, or you know, guys even during the blog era, you know where where you had to pitch your shit to a blog and people like you would be like, eh, nah, not really. Like, what's the chances of you putting a little pump on hip hop DX back in the day? Oh, like some, <laughs> I mean, slim to none. Yeah, but but see, like my thing always was about balance. I always appreciated balance in hip hop. So you could you could uh, there could be whack shit like, and it, it should exist. I don't think you we should get rid of all whack shit because just because I think it's right doesn't mean other people think it's whack. But there needs to have there needs to be balance. And 
there's the hip hop industry right now is probably more balanced than it's ever been in terms of quality rappers getting to exist in the same space as lousy rappers. Before that, there were the gate, the gate kept a lot of dope MCs from getting exposure to the mainstream. Like the Kendrick Lamars and the J. Coles of this world couldn't have really existed in 2005 and 2004. There was really no path for them to get there. That's true. They would have had to take a different path. They could have existed, but they would have had to put out some whack shit to get there first. I'm saying like you look at the industry and you look how like record labels dealt with artists. And, you know, I always use some of my favorites that signed it like Little Brother, or Lupe Fiasco and what they dealt with with Atlanta, even Apathy, who maybe a lot of people listen, don't know who Apathy is. But I was a big fan of Apathy and Apathy signed Atlantic Records and it was like they didn't know what to do with them. So but if you if Apathy or if Little Brother was around today, they would have been a lot bigger than they were when they were signed to Atlantic because that was the only real way to get mainstream exposure and radio play. Now you can kind of circumvent that whole process. I mean, you look at Cardi B. Who's a perfect example of this? She's circumvented the entire process to get to get her music out there. So it's an interesting time. It's just there's a lot of bullshit out there, and like some of the bad is really bad. Yeah, that. Uh, I just saw a dude called Six Nine some shit. Yeah, I, I posted that the other day too. Oh my goodness! <laughs> I don't even I don't even know what that kid is doing, but yeah, bless his heart. Got Six Nine tattooed on his forehead. Um. That's our hip-hop conversation for today. Let's uh, jump into the UFC because we had a crazy, busy UFC weekend. One of the best of the year and what is a weak year um, for the UFC. Not sure how much it sold. Have you heard anything on that yet? No, I haven't heard anything about numbers yet. No, um, but um, I enjoyed the card, man, top to bottom. That, that pay-per-view card was legit. It was worth people's money, and that's all you can really ask. Like, you, you paid for it, then you, you got what you wanted. Um, Let's go through the card a little bit, though. We had Angela Magana getting knocked out beautifully, talking shit. Also had a nip slip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, just wanted to point that out. There's nothing really, there's really nothing to talk about Angela Magana's career except for controversy, and the nip slip is on par with exactly who she is. She's a trash fighter. Oh, yeah, not good. Uh, Felice Herrig won. Split decision, David Taylor. Courtney Casey throwing the bloody booger at Felice Herrick was kind of weird, but anyway. And the double flip off? Yeah, it was very Nate Diaz and the Diaz brothers. So, But, I mean, Felice Herrick, she continues to win. It's kind of this weird thing because I thought Felice was dead in the water. Um, and she's been winning fights. And yeah. she's won another one. In the strawweight division, you know, I'm not saying she's a contender, but she's creeping. Let's see, she's four in a row. Uh, I mean, five out of her last six only lost decision to Paige Van Zandt. And uh, before then, she really only lost to Tisha Torres. She lost to only good fighters. So yeah. she's she better than I thought. I, I thought, like you thought, she was just washed. But no, nah, she's definitely coming and, sh- and showing she belongs. Um, let's see, Yancey Maderos versus Alex Oliveira. Good finish. And this is what started the madness right here. I mean, this was a ridiculous fight. I mean, Oliveira Yancey was, was like, almost knocked out. So was Oliveira in the first round. I mean, it, it was such a back and forth fight. Um, Damn, the round of the year, right? What round? I mean, it's, you could absolutely we could argue that it's you know up there in fight of the year contention with Justin Gaethje and uh, Michael Johnson. Um, this was a violent, entertaining fight, and you know, um, I'm going to pause real quick because 
did you see the Detroit Free Press absolutely trash this car? Oh my god, what was that guy thinking? I didn't even click to see who the writer was, but no way he was in the building for those fights. That uh, he was just, there. He I, was there. I don't understand what he. What was he hoping for? Well, see, here's the here's the funny thing about, it, and then we'll get back into the rest of these uh, results. So he was pointing out that New York got three title fights, so why didn't Detroit? And where was the star power? Where was Ronda Rousey? He spelled Ronda with an H, which means he knows nothing about this, this, this sport as a whole. Furthermore, it also means that his assigning editor should be fired. Because, like, dude, if you're sending somebody who knows nothing about MMA, which clearly this guy didn't, he, he said that the fights were average at best. They weren't that great. Um, and, I mean, the Detroit Free Press, this guy had got to write about UFC 218. But here's the issue, though. The bigger issue is... If he's a casual fan, this is what other casual fans are thinking in terms of mm, I w- in terms. But uh, here's why. Here's why I say this mm. in terms of star power, in terms of title fights, in terms of this being a big event, because to mainstream America, they don't they don't know who Max Holloway is. They don't know who Francis Ngannou is. They don't know who Eddie Alvarez is. Just they, like we, the, the MMA bubble has still not broken out into the mainstream. So when people are clamoring to see a Ron, it tells you how much the star power is lacking in the UFC. Still, completely wrong review. Like it was terrible. This guy should have never had the opportunity to write about this. But it, it really tells you the UFC really has some work to do to break into the mainstream, which people are still talking about Ronda Rousey in December of 2017 when she got flatlined last year around this time to Amanda Nunez. She hasn't been around since, but people are still talking about it. Well, one, he should be more informed. That's just it is what it is. I don't care if you're beat if. That's not your beat. I don't care what it is. They said you cover golf. You got to do some damn research behind it. Figure out what it's supposed to look like and be informed. That's one. Um, but there is stuff like you pointed out, like clamoring for Ronda Rousey and Conor McGregor. Yeah, that's cool for the people. If we're arguing, will people not buy the fight because of lack of star power? Sure. But once you're tuned in, you should be entertained by the fights that were there. You Star power doesn't matter. Hey, that shit's thrown out the window when people start getting knocked out or there's blood or there's people getting cha- tapped out. That's what you sign up to watch. Um, I watched it from a bar because I usually watch it from a bar so I don't have to pay for the pay-per-view. And I like, you know, drinking and being around the crazy crowd and seeing other people's reactions. And everyone loved these fights. Then Ghana won especially. You, you don't have to be, you don't have to know anything about MMA. You sit someone down in front of their television and a minute in, a guy gets hit with an uppercut from hell, damn near knocks him through three different floors like they do in Mortal Kombat. Everyone popped for that. So it, it was amazing. Everyone liked it. No clue what the hell this guy was talking about. And it does show why people say, hey, Dana gives everyone an interim title. Or why is this for an interim title? It doesn't matter. I guess it does to people who are, you know, casual fans of the sport. Because this one could have been for interim belts. Why not? Dana could throw a belt on anyone. And it's, and it's called yeah. it an interim. Would that have made the guy happier? Like, And we wonder why Dana does these stupid things sometimes. Because a lot of times it makes no sense. Like, what interim belt? For what? This guy just fought six months ago. Why is there an interim? The John Jones thing. When DC had to back out of a fight. Dana fined three months later. John Jones needed a belt. And uh, it's because of this. Because people want to see belts. 
They and when you don't know someone, I guess just the shiny the shiny belt weighs something to you. So one title fight compared to three, it, I don't know wh- who the hell he thinks he is necessarily. And I say this with respect, I don't know the guy. But when you say New York gets three title fights and you get one, listen, I was surprised to see Detroit get a, a UFC main pay-per-view card. A number card. Right. Let alone three title fights. Come on, man. You don't, you don't get the title fights because you don't care enough. And that's really what it is. The New York riders didn't mess up. They didn't complain about all this stuff. New York's been clamoring. They went to court to get MMA there. So the UFC has rewarded them. Their market is huge. And, you know, L.A. gets two title fights usually. Vegas gets two. New York gets three. That's just the market that you're in. And uh, his ignorance isn't going to help bring three title fights to Detroit, sadly enough. No, I mean, it's just, you know, the ill-informed. Like, this guy should have never been writing about this to begin with. I have no idea why he got assigned this t- this this card. Um, he, had, he, he interviewed Dana beforehand. He asked him a bunch of questions. It's just terrible. Anyway, back to UFC 218. Where do we leave off? Um, um, Felder Oliveira. Oh, man, I called this one. Another Oliveira uh, goes down. Man, look, Paul Felder is a frightening guy. And I, I've been talking about this for, for a couple of years now. The, guy, the Irish Dragon, is he's a dangerous dude. And what was, was fascinating about this fight is the fact that Oliveira, he kept going to Oliveira's wheelhouse, the ground. And he was in rear naked chokes, guillotines, darts chokes. And he just kept staying there until finally he felt like, well, I've warmed down enough because he can't. He keeps failing at these submission attempts, and I'm just going to beat the shit out of him with these elbows. I mean, most fighters wouldn't go into a if another fighter's wheelhouse and fight him there. You know, if you know a guy is only known for stand-up, like Oliveira is, is a jiu-jitsu guy. He's not known for his stand-up. Why would you fight him on the ground? That's exactly what Paul Felder did. He knocked Almost him up. silly. Oh, my goodness. Felder's one to watch. The lightweight division is very, very stacked. But I, there's a lot of guys I like to see Paul Felder fight. Yeah, a lot of guys. It's guaranteed violence when Felder goes in there. That I appreciate. But his record shows that when there's a step up in competition, he really doesn't do well. I mean, he, he lost to Trinaldo, which is a doctor style because he lost to Ross Pearson. It's in Barbosa. Barbosa, it's Barbosa. I mean, come on. But didn't he he's, get KO'd by Barbosa? Nah, he lost no? the decision. Decision? All right. And the in the Ross Pearson fight, I actually thought he won if I remember correctly. So the only other fight was a Francisco Trinaldo fight. And Francisco Trinaldo's built like a house. Um, so that's perfectly excusable. I mean, he still he hasn't really had the opportunity to step up. I mean, Barbosa was a guy who was coming up as well at that time. Uh, he was Barbosa at that time was still the guy known for the Terry Edom face kick. The, the yeah. Real- which is dirty. <laughs> yeah, and since then, Barbosa's proven himself to be a top contender. I think Paul Felder could be a, t- a he's definitely around a top 10 guy. You know, I'd like to see him fight maybe even a Dustin Poirier. I'm very interested. I, there's a lot of things with Paul Felder I'd like to see happen. Well, I think Poirier's going to wait and fight uh, someone we're about to talk about here in a second. So I think that'll have to wait. But like you said, lightweight, a lot of guys, a lot of dangerous guys right now. And McGregor's just looming. So we'll see. With we'll the see. title. Yeah, he, he may never fight again. Who knows? Um, coming back, main card, Tisha Torres versus Michelle Watterson. I wasn't surprised. I thought Tisha would swarm her, and so did you. Yep. So we, Yeah, no surprise whatsoever. Watterson, like, 
the Paige Van Zandt, when you put it in the light, it looks funny now. Like, when you beat Paige Van Zandt, because she's not really that good. So, Tisha Torres, on the other hand, is pretty fucking good. Yeah. And Watterson, she showed it. Watterson could go down. She in could. In my opinion. She, she definitely could. Like, she's still very small, even for that division. Which is crazy. Like, so. Torres, like, looking at their bodies... Like, Torres, like, super ripped six-packs, like, cut, muscular cut-up arms, like, st- strong thighs. She's built like a straw weight. Like, Watterson clearly could go down a weight class and probably find some success there. Yeah. Um, what else do we have next? Eddie Alvarez versus Justin Cagey. Got right into it. Um, man, one hell of a fight. And I enjoyed it. It was as technical of a fight as you're going to see from Justin Cagey. Which is all due, res- you know, which shows ton of respect for Eddie Alvarez, and it came down to the finish, and Gaethje was caught. Yeah, this was um, I kept saying, and like I thought Gaethje was going to win this fight. I thought Eddie Alvarez couldn't handle the pressure, but something weird started happening around the first and second round. I was like, Eddie hasn't rocked him yet. Usually by this point, Gaethje got rocked, knows what you're dealing with, and then just turns it all the way up. I never felt like Gaethje hit his second gear, and. I don't know if that's he only hits the second gear when he gets hurt or what happened, but like the leg kicks, I thought I, I didn't think Eddie Alvarez would be standing anymore. There was a period in the middle of the I think in the second round where Justin just completely abandoned leg kicks, and I thought that was bizarre because he was having such great success. Because I had said in our podcast last week, I don't think Eddie Alvarez ever really has checked the leg kick, and he didn't in this fight. Not at all. <laughs> so Gacy could have carved that leg up, but the problem was is Gacy fights one way and it's straight ahead. He puts his head out there. He put, he's ready to throw hands. He's willing to take two to give you one and just hope it hurts more. But he got caught with that knee, went to sleep. Um, the good thing about Justin Gaethje, he's not afraid to lose. The bad thing about Justin Gaethje is he's not afraid to lose. This is a guy who was undefeated, who wasn't really concerned about losing, but they could the UFC could have used another star in the lightweight division. Um, unfortunately, Eddie Alvarez, as much as we may like him, he doesn't really bring anything new to the lightweight division right now. No, but he... Hey, he was who we thought he was, right? Like, he was the guy who beat RDA. Yeah. He he was. is a guy who is honestly that damn good on any given night. And the Poirier one, listen, Poirier rocked him a few times. Let's be fair. He was going to knock out Poirier. Until mm-hmm. the knee, right? The knee, the illegal knee. If Poirier's hand is an inch above where it was... Just not on the ground. He knocks Poirier out. Well, of course. Um, and he was you know, in position I, to knock Poirier out. Yeah, that's why these guys got to do it again. Like, they have to, this fight has to happen again. And it probably should happen, well, I don't know how long Alvarez suspended for. Because um, I know that... His face at, looked worse yeah. to wear at the end of that. That third commission is probably going to keep him out. I, I don't expect him to be back for at least five to six months. Um, so maybe he'll be back around June, July, because I would like to see him fight Dustin Poirier in March. I don't know if Dustin's going to sit on the sidelines until yeah, summer. I yeah, I don't think he waits. But that fight looming as a number one contenders fight wouldn't be bad. Um, even then, though, like it, it's so weird because Eddie could do nothing against Conor McGregor. That's and yo nothing. One of the, the craziest <laughs> thing about this card was that Conor McGregor has beaten. Three of the guys on this card. He beat Holloway, Aldo, and Alvarez. And with the exception of Holloway, because they fought when they were so young, he torched them. 
He torched Jose Aldo and destroyed Eddie Alvarez. He torched Holloway. He sunned Holloway. It was the I mean, worst Holloway has looked in a fight. Yes or no? Well, I mean, dude, it was like his third fight in the UFC. It, does, it was, was Connor's second. Well, it's it's a little bit different. Connor's older than Max, and as we can clearly see, Max is coming to his own. He's a completely different fighter. Connor was twenty three. Max was twenty. Connor Max was, was the youngest fighter in the UFC. Yes, Connor was twenty three. He wasn't a Max, veteran. He wait, wasn't wait, thirty. Wait, wait. Max also lost to Dustin Poirier. Guys peak at different times in their career. That's true. I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say that Connor just ran like this. Like Connor did this against prime Jose Aldo and prime Eddie Alvarez, not prime Max Holloway. So I, I can't count that. But he did beat Max Holloway. So all I'm saying is it's crazy how good Connor looks. Like Justin Gaethje had a hell of a time with Eddie Alvarez. Connor starched him, starched him. Yeah, people can talk all they want. Connor might not come back. Blah blah blah. People are saying like like it's a foregone conclusion. Holloway would wax Connor. It's they forgot just because the the mouth on Connor. They forgot who Connor was because Connor's lost to a guy who was 170 pounds, probably 190 on fight night, and dropped him twice in that fight before he gassed. Then came back, dropped him three times, and won. These 155-pounders, 145-pounders, aren't 190-pound Nate Diaz on fight night. A guy in Nate Diaz who doesn't get knocked out anyway. So it's incredible that people forget how good Conor McGregor is. And now Conor, Conor's going to reach a point where he's entering these fights as the underdog damn near. You put him against Khabib, underdog probably. In the eyes of a lot of people, they'll pick Khabib to win. No, you know what'll ha- what's happening is the Floyd Mayweather effect. People want to see him lose. That's really all there is to it. And you just Connor's- ignore how good he is. That's true. Yeah. That is yeah, like, exactly it, true. It comes to a point where the mouth supersedes the talent for a lot of people, and people forget what these fighters do inside their profession. And they all they look at is how much a douchebag they are outside. Connor's not the same type of person as Floyd Mayweather, but people hate Connor the same now. So they think... That all these people can be Conor, but it's not really thinking, it's hoping. And this is what you want to happen. You want somebody to shut Conor McGregor's mouth. And people are hoping that one of these guys will be able to do it. But they forget Conor is, is the only guy to hold two t- titles simultaneously. Conor has starched people that people have hard times with. Look, we could call Jose album Aldo an aberration. Shit happened 13 seconds. Really hard to gauge from. But he worked Eddie Alvarez. And this was like last year. Had Jose Aldo been point. knocked out before then, though? You know, I got a guy who's not never been knocked out in 13 seconds. You no, say, that's not even an aberration. Like, no, but I'm, I'm just saying, in the sense that you say, like, you can say, lucky punch. Like, if you really want to, lucky punch. All right, fine. I'll give you that, whatever. If you really want that that bad, you can have that. But you can't say that about the Eddie Alvarez fight. No. Connor dissected Eddie Alvarez for a round and a half before he put him out of his misery. And here's Eddie Alvarez who beat Rafael Dos Anjos. Here's Eddie Alvarez who beat Justin Gage, who a lot of people thought Justin Gage could beat Conor McGregor. It's just, Conor made it look easy. He's on a different level. And that's just Mark. it. it. It's crazy. And this card pointed that out. Um, next one, Cejudo versus Pettis. Nah. Cejudo went original Cejudo, which is great. Yeah. The Pettis is their ground game. leaves a lot to be desired. This was a fight that he needed. That's how he had to win it. And listen, he's putting himself back in line to get the Mighty Mouse fight. Because who else? Yeah. Nobody right? cares. So, yeah, it's just who's going to lose next. Um, they, they're probably not even going to get the next shot, to be honest. 
it looks like Dana's has something in the works for Mighty Mouse. Um, then we have heavyweight Francis Ngannou versus Alistair Overeem. We knew it, right? Like, it was a great question. Dude, I thought this would go like a round and a half. I thought, like, as soon as Overeem started swinging, I was like, oh, he's fucked. I thought he would have fought a more technical fight. I, I thought mean, he would have. He had head movement. Like, yeah. for a second. He's a, he's a striker. He's a kickboxer. I yeah, think. but you, like you go back and you look how uh, Overeem fought Fabricio Verdum, or you look how Overeem fought a lot of the people that he's fought. When he gets in there with strikers, he fights a different kind of fight. And he usually is a little bit more measured. Like you look at the Dos Santos fight, he was a little bit more measured and he, he kind of felt him out before he started letting go. He didn't do that against Ngano. He was like, him or me. It was going to be you. No, he was scared to death because he shot for a takedown within the first 30 seconds. Before Dude, ever was... being hit, he shot for a takedown. And I was like, oh, buddy. Uh, he was trying to close the gap. He didn't want to give Ngano room to operate. So I understand why he shot for the takedown. It's just when he started swinging and exchanging, I was like, oh, no, you're going to die. Because <laughs> like I, I, We both said on the show, if he gets touched, he's going to sleep. I just thought Overeem can avoid getting touched by that big right hand At least a for little a while. bit longer. Yeah, yeah uh, he, man, he got he got his head knocked clean off. Yo, Buster Douglas looked at that shit like because when, when Buster hit Mike Tyson, I thought Mike Tyson was gonna die. Like because that that uppercut was one of the hardest uppercuts I've ever seen. This was on that level. This separated his soul from his body. His yeah. toes were curled. Yo, this was this was one of the most brutal knockouts you'll see in the heavyweight division. And it's crazy because now in Ganu. According to a lot of Las Vegas sports books, is already the favorite to be Stipe Miocic, which is bananas. Because I'm not disrespecting Stipe in that way. Do I think nah, Ngannou is going to win? Probably, but that's that's just being a prisoner of the moment, right? Prisoner to the power, um, and the odds are against Stipe. He already is what tied for the longest title defense streak yeah. in heavyweight history. That usually you get caught. Um, but Stipe has proven that his hands are no joke. He has technical boxing skills. Um, he, maybe he can stay away from the power of Nganu. And the one thing Stipe has on his side is that that fight is a five-rounder. So if you get past two, you're, Nganu's in a world he's never been in before. You take him into deep waters and you see if he can swim. Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be a heavily anticipated heavyweight fight. And Ganu pretty much put the market for this fight on notice because knocking out over him the manner that he did, I mean, you had two guys who have basically obliterated their competition and get ready to fight each other. So the UFC can't fuck this up. No, no. This, they, is, this yeah. is a huge heavyweight title fight. You just, but, the, you know, everybody's got to remember that Miocic is not here by accident. He has knocked out a shitload of people on his way, too. You know, I mean, the, the, the fadeaway knockout of Fabricio Verdum, you know, making Overeem crap out. And, I mean, he's just... And it's not the yeah. same guy who got stopped by Stefan Struve. Well, I mean, no. Guys peak at different times. And, and Miocic is, is peaked. Um, yeah. And Ganu, I don't want to say the jury's still out because he's very Mike Tyson-esque right now. He's just kind of rolling over people. And he hasn't faced a whole lot of opposition. But this um, like is I said, one hell of a challenge. Yeah, so I'm I'm intrigued, man. The heavyweight division, um, unfortunately, after this, I don't know where Cain Velasquez, if he's ever coming back. It'd be interesting to see him fight one of these two guys, but this is like the peak. The, the top is the top. Like, Overeem was the number one contender and got slept. Easy. So, so yeah, that's, it, that's, uh, 
I think Ngannou earned that shot. I think they were trying to wait for Kane, but uh, I think he got jumped after yeah. this one. Um, main event, Max Holloway starches Jose Aldo again. I thought Aldo had a better showing in this fight, though, than the first one. He went for it. It's just the cardio still just didn't seem right. That's what I said. I mean, Max Holloway is a guy who starts slow, and as he ramps up, the the violent he's just really violent with how he ramps up. Like when that offense starts coming, because he he did a couple of things a little bit different than the first fight. He went to the body, he moved to the opposite direction. I think he was circling right instead of left this time. And I mean, once Aldo you know kind of gassed himself, Max just went into overdrive. And when Max does that, it's hard to stop, man. He's I mean he's really like an avalanche. Like it just keeps getting bigger and bigger as yeah. the snowball comes. You can't stop it. And he's very and accurate he, when he was throwing those punches. And Man. I mean, I, me personally, I'm very intrigued how a Max Holloway Conor McGregor fight plays out. Very intrigued. Conor would have to get oh. him out of there in the first two, which he didn't prove he could do the first time. Because Max's not slowing down four and five. Mm-mm. And it makes it a very interesting fight. I just, you know, curious what Max looks at at 155 because that fight would never happen at featherweight. Um, but You're still of the mind that Conor would never drop down. No, I no, I don't think he'll ever put his body through that again. Absolutely not. I don't think he'll ever fight a featherweight again. 145 pounds, dude. No, he's not doing it. Like he was a skeleton then, and it's been what two years. Yeah, it's his been a body, while. Yeah, his body ain't cutting that weight. He's eating healthy too. But then like, he just a, get to, he got down to 50 for Floyd. 45. I mean, those extra That's five, five pounds is a lot. Yeah, you know, I'm just saying. Like he's gone through a more drastic weight cut than just his normal 55 now. So I I don't know. I don't know what he's willing to put his body through. I'm not sure if it's worth the payday. I think that's what it comes down to. Yeah, I mean, Max Holloway, which we're talking about now. That Max push for, like, the overall record. Like, most consecutive wins ever in the UFC. And I think Conor might do it. I mean, the frightening thing about Max Holloway is he has now, with the exception of Frankie Edgar, cleaned out that division. Yep. Because he had the slowest path to a title shot. It was like he was fighting number nine, number eight, number five, number six. Like, he fought everybody. Like, Conor kind of just jumped. Doop, doop, doop. And he was in the title picture. Max grinded through everybody in that division. Now you look, there's nobody left. There's Frankie Edgar. That's really it. Mm-hmm. And after this performance, I don't know how many people think Frankie Edgar's got a chance. I think Frankie Edgar's got a chance because he's a cardio machine. And he's a great stand-up fighter. But Max is actually... But he doesn't have the power. Like, it's so weird. That's why he couldn't really get down with Aldo, because he didn't have the power to really stop him. Yeah, and it's it, it's a good fight. I still think Max wins. Max is Max is frightening, man. It's a, I'm curious how long he stays at featherweight before uh, he bumps up. I don't know. I would love to see a guy like Garbrandt bump up, though. Like, if Max runs out of challengers, I, I pay top dollar to see Holloway versus Garbrandt. That'd be interesting. At 45. Um all right, so that's our USC card. We're going to take a quick break. we got to come back. We're going to talk boxing, Lomachenko, and throw in a little bit of wrestling. Not much has happened in the wrestling world, but we're going to cover a little bit in the WWE until we have this whole wrestling show with our, with our dudes from the Wrestle Rap Podcast. So you guys stay tuned. We'll be right back. All right, everybody. Before we continue to talk more combat sports, we've got to give another thanks to Casper Mattresses. Casper mattresses combine two technologies, springing latex foam and supportive memory foam to create an award-winning sleep surface. Have y'all ever slept on memory foam? It's like 
floating on air. It's that great. And this is how we get our sleep. So you guys make sure that you check it out. Casper mattresses are made in the USA and have free shipping and returns to the US and Canada. Shout out to the great north. You can buy your Casper mattress easy online and it's completely risk free. Look, dude, you spend like a third of your life sleeping, and Casper understands the importance of trying out a mattress before you commit. Look, so if you aren't satisfied with the Casper mattress, you got a 100-day period. Yeah, that's right, 100 days. You know, like, 100 days of sleeping, by, by about that time, I think I know if I like my mattress. So get a Casper mattress for $500 for a twin or $950 for a king size. And you can save an additional $50 towards your Casper mattress by going to casper.com backslash the corner and entering the promo code the corner. That's Casper.com backslash the corner. Promo code the corner to save $50 towards your Casper purchase. Terms and conditions apply. Look, again, man, I like to sleep, and these things are for real. Make it happen. But now it's time to get back to talking combat sports. So stay with us. All right, quick break. We are back. We got to talk boxing. Really, there's two fights this weekend. And we'll touch on the Salido fight here in a second. But it's really all about Lomachenko versus Rigondeaux. Been waiting months to see this fight. Are you still as hyped for it now? Yeah, I am. Until the fact that I'm going to be goddamn ringside for Salido and Roman this weekend. i got to figure out how I'm going to watch Lomachenko and, uh, and Rigo. Because <laughs> it sucks that I have to be at a different fight. Um, but I'm super hyped for this. Like two of the two, Arguably two of the greatest amateur fighters of all time are getting ready to fight in, in a professional boxing match. Um, so yeah, this, this will be big. I'm expecting it to do very big ratings on ESPN. Um, and I mean, this is what we want. Uh, this is the perfect way to close out an excellent year in boxing. It is. And I, I expect it to be a chess match throughout. I want to see if Lomachenko can land clean. I, I don't expect the knockout, which is weird. I mean, it's not weird. I mean, <laughs> Rickendall, he hasn't been beat. So why would you necessarily expect a knockout? The but only I mean, problem is... I still expect Lomachenko to win, but usually when you say that, and the other guy's such a tactician, be like, oh, the only way he's going to win is due to knockout. But I don't feel like that. I feel like Lomachenko can outpoint him. It's going to be close, but I, I think he can do it. It's going to be interesting because here's... here's and I got, I'm writing my article on this fight tonight. I don't know how old Regan Dow is. I have no idea. <laughs> Does any? <laughs> and, and because of that, I have no idea what form of Regan Dow is going to show up. The thing about Regan Dow is people think he's a boring fighter, but the, nobody likes to engage. And there's a reason why, because Regal's an excellent counterpuncher and he hits really fucking hard. The problem is, is that Regal's moving up two weight classes to fight Lomachenko. That's, that's the main reason why I say Lomachenko is going to win this fight, because he's going to be bigger. But other than that, a lot of people are disrespecting Gergo Rigondeaux. Like, he's not one of the top 10 pound-for-pound fighters in the world. No, it definitely is. It's just, like you said, when you move up, man, I, it, it is rough. And Rigondeaux, we'll see how he carries the weight. Um, for the first time, it, there was reports that he skipped the media day on Monday and Tuesday. And it was just Lomachenko doing it by himself. ESPN, you know, New York City, all this stuff. And the first thing that came to my, my mind was weight. And it's not, uh, can you cut down weight? It's, yo, how can we get bigger? Like, we, we don't got time for interviews. Like, we really have to make sure that he can get up to a weight on fight night that's going to let him compete. 
And that is what, what we saw with Conor McGregor and Nate Diaz. If you put on the weight the wrong way at the end, it'll throw off your whole shit. And some people try to balloon up. And sooner or later, it's just like, yo, we can't get any bigger. So I'm wondering if, if the weight is, is a problem for him. Like, what can he do? Because you, especially against those big punchers, you need that weight to kind of absorb those blows. And it's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, uh, that, that, is, that is a very important uh, part of this fight. Is the weight? I don't know if the necessarily missing of the the media obligations pertain to his weight, but it does make you curious of what's going on. Um, there was a quote has, that said Lomachenko was scared he wasn't going to show at all for the fight. I mean, yeah, I think Carmen already may have said that actually, but you know he's going to show up. Um, it's just it, what we're looking at. We're looking at a fight between two very different styles. Two exceptional amateurs with completely different styles. Lomachenko is the guy, he's like Roy Jones with better defense. Um, he punches from all angles. He can hit you. Like His footwork is probably the best I've ever seen in boxing, I would say. He's never out of position to throw a punch. Lomachenko's never out of position. That being said, he does make a few mistakes. He does overcommit on his punches sometimes, which is Rigondeaux's wheelhouse. Rigondeaux loves guys who overcommit because he likes to flatten them when, he, when they do. Problem with Rigondeaux is he's not active. And I don't mean active in the ring. I mean active in his career. He doesn't fight enough. Yeah. So when you're fighting a guy with, with this kind of activity, you could try to stink it out, but Lomachenko is not going to allow you to stink it out. So this is going to be a dogfight in some senses. It's, it'll be a high-powered chess match. I'll put it like that. I won't say it's going to be a dogfight because I don't think these guys are going to just start exchanging blows. But I do think they're going to be exchanging looks, feints, figuring out ways to hurt each other because it's still going to be violent, but it's going to be a measured kind of violence. Um, I just don't know how Rigondeaux is going to beat Lomachenko. He's going to have to counter him to death. He's going to have to make him pay. Like it's, Everything needs to be established from the first three rounds. If Lomachenko can get off what he wants to, it's going to be a long night for Rigondeaux. If Rigondeaux can, can make Lomachenko, not necessarily even hurt him, but show him that, hey, you ain't going to be hitting me with this bullshit all night. Take this. <laughs> On your way out. So, like, if you can do that, if you can time Rigondeaux early, like, he, I mean, if you tell Lomachenko early, Rigondeaux has a great chance to win this fight. I just don't see him being active enough over the course of 36 minutes to beat Lomachenko. Yeah, that's the only chance he has. He has to frustrate Lomachenko into lessening his volume, which yeah, we've seen is- happen. Well, it happened really- to Canelo, not to Lomachenko, just to other oh. fighters in a position. Like, Canelo damn near got frozen into inactivity at points. When he was fighting uh, Lara in that fight. That was movement, though. Like, Rigo, Rigo doesn't really move. Like, the thing about Rigo is he... It's just different styles, right? Like, more so yeah. than, like, exact move. It's just, like, sometimes your styles just frustrate someone. I mean, Rigo is hard to hit. He's not easy to hit. He's not fun to fight because if you throw something, he's going to counter. And he's going to wait for you. And he, he's perfectly content, unlike many other fighters... He will wait for you for two minutes and 49 seconds to throw a punch. Yeah. We saw the same thing. Pacquiao versus Marquez. Pacquiao, a lot of people stole those first two fights. And that was Marquez's game, right? Just waiting. Well, he stole three fights. (laughs) (laughs) But it was just waiting. And and a high-volume, exciting fighter like Pacquiao, even the Marquez fights, just got countered. And to a lot of people's point, outpointed in those fights. 
just because the styles, the the unique way the styles matched up. And uh, if you want to talk exact styles on how a fight can go and how Rigo wins it, it's Marquez Pacquiao. If he makes Lomachenko look like Pacquiao looked in those Marquez fights because he has a very similar style to Marquez in counterpunching, then he can make this shit interesting. Yeah, I mean, Marquez is arguably the greatest counterpuncher in Mexican history. Uh, no Mexican fighter has ever been able to time, like to fight with the timing as Marquez did. Rigondeaux is a little bit different because he's defensive minded and he's a counterpuncher. Like Marquez wasn't necessarily defensive minded. If he if you threw, you were going to get something back. Yeah, you're getting hit back. Rigo, on the other hand, if you throw, yeah, he'll make you pay, but you also won't hit him. So it, it's it's I mean it's interesting. I, I the Pacquiao Marquez is is. It can work. Pacquiao's footwork's not even nearly as good as Lomachenko's. As great as Pacquiao was, his footwork used to get his feet used to always get tangled up. Yeah, um, he was just <laughs> lightning fast. The, but the Lomachenko speed was no joke. Yeah, Lomachenko is a guy whose feet are ne- like I said it before. He's never out of position to throw a punch. Like he'll throw a punch, but his feet are always set to throw another punch behind it. Like that's why those combinations come so fast and frequently. Lomachenko just can't be scared. I mean, I'm sorry, Rigondeaux just can't be scared to throw in between those punches, which he won't be. Rigondeaux's not going to be scared to throw in between those punches and catch Lomachenko. It's just how long can he keep that up? And the weight is going to be the difference. I'm super excited for this fight. Um, it won't be a fight of the year, I don't think. It's just going to be something very entertaining to two, high, two highly skilled combatants. If Lomachenko washes him, gets him out of there in three, four rounds, how high does he jump up on the power for power? I mean, uh, he'll be number one on a lot of pound for pound lists. He, he'll him absolutely. Above Triple G. Yeah, because Triple G just had a, a draw with Canelo. That wasn't a draw, I, dude. I, I, <laughs> we were you there, said, but you're saying washed. Like you're, you're not oh, yeah, saying. Yeah, no, no, he gets him yeah. out of here. Like he washed. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, it, like Triple G Canelo was competitive. No matter how many ways you slice it, most of us thought Triple G won. It was still a competitive fight. If Lomachenko goes over there and runs over a guy who was a never lost. And B, ranked higher on the pound-for-pound pound list than Canelo. Yeah, Lomachenko's going to be number one on a lot of people's list. Crazy. Even yeah. with the Orlando Salido loss, because that was his first fight. Nobody cares. Yeah, Everybody's yeah. past that now. Can't wait to see it. Uh, Salido fights this weekend, speaking of the devil. Yeah, Salido fights uh, Roman for a, a vacant title. Tevin Farmer's also on the card. I talked to him earlier this week. Um, people who know Tevin Farmer, he's linked with Javante Davis because these two have been feuding on social media forever. Yes, can't wait. Um, can't wait. Let's go Farmer. Win that match because I just want to see the, the fight between him and Javante. Yeah, and Farmer's fighting for the title that Javante had to vacate for missing weight on scale. So there's some ties here. Javante may get that fight with Farmer one way or the other. Farmer should win with this fight. He's fighting a guy from Japan who has never fought in the States before. It's 22-1. and one. So it should be... I mean, Farmer should win, and we should set up that fight. Um, the only other thing to really talk about in boxing is the swan song from Miguel Cotto. He lost to Saddam Ali. Good um, fight, I, though. Yeah, well, there was a couple things that I, that I wanted to take note of. I was high on Saddam Ali because I thought he beat Jesse Vargas. And then Jesse Vargas beat him, and then I was low on Saddam Ali because y'all know how I feel about Jesse Vargas. Um, but Saddam Ali looked really good against Miguel Cotto. He looked fast. Um, he hit hard. He rocked Cotto a few times. Um, and then... Cotto, the other thing is, Cotto's getting out at the right time. Because mm-hmm. this was a slower version of Miguel Cotto. He is leaving the sport at just the right time. And he's smart enough to do so. And he made his money, which is why he can get out. If anything, yeah, Bob, the promoters did not pimp Miguel Cotto. 
Bob Arum criticized Miguel Cotto, said, great fighter, not a great businessman. I beg to differ, Bob. Miguel did his thing on his own terms. He yeah. fought at Rock Nation, raped them for a bunch of money, fought at Golden Boy, fought for you, and he's made a lot of money. And he's retiring. Bob's with... just mad he didn't get a cut of all of it. That's all. That's all. And, and, you know, Bob is Bob, whatever. But Miguel did it his way. And like I said, he's fought just about anybody you can think of that was in or around his weight class. So farewell, Miguel Cotto. Please don't come back. Enjoy retirement. Enjoy your family. You made a lot of money. You'll be revered. I vote for the Hall of Fame, the, the International Boxing Hall of Fame. When I get that ballot, he's the first ballot Hall of Famer, hands down. Well deserved. Well deserved. Um, before we get out of here, let's talk a little bit. Of, let's just touch on some of the stuff we got to touch on on wrestling. Like I said, we're going to bring you a whole wrestling podcast um, next week. Uh, let's see what was the big highlights nxt on usa coming up next week i don't one off i think it should be there every week but we shall see i know that why Why? because i think it'll broaden the audience why would you want to put something okay it's not going to cut the quality yes it is because now it's on television they film it like it's for tv anyway they cut into middle matches anyway no 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 you're missing the point NXT can do what NXT does because it's catered to a pro wrestling audience on the WWE Network. Yeah. If it goes on to USA, it's brought to a mainstream audience. Now it needs to emulate the products that they already have. And they have also a demographic to cater to. The only demographic you have to cater to on the WWE Network is WWE fans. And NXT is taking the fire to them because that's it. But if I'm flipping through the channels and if I'm an advertiser... Chances are that NXT is going to have to change format for it to be a weekly show. It's probably going to have to be taped live. It can't be taped anymore. But it's probably going to have to fall in line to what SmackDown and Raw are because it's on television weekly. So I don't think you really want this on television. If it was the same format, I'd agree. Eh, If those are the changes, nah, they can keep that. Um, Let's see. We saw Broken Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt promo. I didn't hate it as much as other people hated it. That I saw online, I thought it was dope. I thought Matt Hardy is fully embracing the character. Vince kind of let him do his thing a little bit. The Wyatt stuff, I think they should have went back to back instead of, uh, you know, always cutting into it. But whatever, I'm here for Broken Matt. Um, I thought the promo was solid. I think it all leads to another road where Bray Wyatt loses again. Ain't that which, always the case? Which sucks. Uh, so. As I've said before, I, my issue with this is it's a mid-card broken Matt Hardy or Woken or whatever they're going to call him. Mid-card Hardy. For now. It, he's not going to be a main eventer. It's not happening. Was he that in TNA, though? What's, yes. Like, he, he was. He didn't have, no, no, he was the main event. Like, Roman Reigns is the main event. Matt Hardy was the main Oh, yeah. Event. Yeah, yeah. No, Final, he was the main Final event. Final Deletion yeah. was his own goddamn show. Yeah. <laughs> but it wasn't for a belt or anything. I think he could, the character will push further than the mid-card. I don't that. think so. And it will force I, Vince's hand. I think, I think Matt Hardy had a lot of creative freedom in TNA. Matt Hardy will not have that freedom on the main roster with 30 writers in the, in the writer room who have to service other people's storylines, which mainly the main event guys. More importantly, and I'll point this out, and then this will give you something to think about, there is not another Raw pay-per-view until the Royal Rumble in January. Yep. So we got like seven weeks of television that we're going to have to tread water before they start kicking into 
pay-per-view mode, which is a joint pay-per-view program, which is the Royal Rumble, which is the reason why they kind of hit pause on Joe versus Reigns. They're trying to throw everything in between and giving Jason Jordan 45 minutes on television because we got a long time before we reach a joint pay-per-view. So how are they going to properly service the Matt Hardy character without it being stale while they have to try to keep the wheels turning for everybody else? I hope he doesn't wrestle before the Rumble. I hope him and Bray don't touch each other. Only promos. Seven weeks of just promos. That ain't happening. And then have them go at it. That ain't happening. Like, we just watched the Raw where, again, Jason Jordan was on there for 45 minutes. And a good match. But I'm just saying, when else is Jason Jordan going to be on anybody's television screen for 45 minutes? No, it's not happening. But maybe, maybe with not a pay-per-view every damn month, maybe the pay-per-view every two-month thing will change that. And people will start getting time. Because you'll have seven-month or seven-week builds to pay-per-views, how you have in New Japan, and how it should have been from the start when you do a brand split. The only, the only problem is, it's still the WWE, and we still have three-hour Raws. That's like the biggest and issue. When I'm, I'm okay with them filling it with 40-minute matches. Give me a 10-minute promo, 30-minute match, three times an hour, or three times in one program, and I'm fine. Nah, I don't want to watch Fill it with wrestling. wrestling. You don't want to watch people wrestle? You want to watch them cut promos? No, I don't want to watch three hours of Raw. That's all I'm saying. Okay, like three but we hours... don't have a choice in that, but I'd rather them fill it with wrestling. Yeah, but they don't, and that's the problem. Like This is the like, first time they had to, and they did. And it's, it's, it's a lot. Like, Raw felt extremely long. Again. Uh, yeah. Because, um, I mean, wasn't that the tag match for the Universal title between uh, The Shield and Sheamus and Cesaro? Uh, it was a shitty finish to that match. Yeah. Why? Because they have seven weeks, so they're going to have to do it again yep. and again and again. And the problem with the writing on WWE television is they have so many, like I keep saying, they have so many people to service that they don't really know what to do. So they start treading water with these feuds. Like Joe and Reigns are going to be like mixed in mixed tag matches and doing a bunch of shit until we get to the Royal Rumble because that's like their main program. But what the fuck? Like yeah. we should have really good wrestling, but in order to do that, you got to elevate the Apollo Crews of this world and everybody else. So they're just not doing it. Not happening yet. Um, we see the same thing. Owens and Zayn. It's, uh, it's a little bit weird. And we get to see a tag match now at Clash of Champions with Shane McMahon. It looks like they'll be the headliners, the main event. Even though AJ Styles is on that defending his belt. But he won't headline the pay-per-view again. Nah, they're probably going to go. They're going likely Randy Orton, Shinsuke Nakamura after what happened on SmackDown. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't want to. I don't care. Like Zayn is a, has become a terrible heel. I, yeah, I didn't think he was that great of a heel. The the surprise of him saving Owens was dope. Everything after that has been lackluster. Blame Survivor Series. It ruined all the momentum they had. Now they're like it, the the two Stooges. Sucks. Yeah. So we'll see how they turn that around. Um, thank you guys for listening. Next week, huge podcast. Make sure you guys tune in. Tell your friends. Tell everyone on the internet to tune in and listen to us hopefully you guys are gearing up for the holidays like we are we appreciate the listens follow us on social media at the corner lsn on all platforms me at kel dansby him at andreas hale we're done for today we're out peace it's happening daily we're being conned by the institutions we used to trust 
The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com 